Hey, what's up guys? Welcome to the Strength Connection Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Krakowski. Thanks so much for joining me today. All right, in this episode, I'm joined by Dustin Bogle. He's a 20-year veteran in the health and fitness game. He's the owner of Lead the Way Fitness and Gym Reinforcements, and he's also the host of both the Lunch with a Punch podcast and the Fitness Empire podcast. So I was fortunate enough to connect with Dustin not too long ago on his podcast, and he was a wealth of knowledge in both training and leadership, and I wanted him to come on to chat strength and also talk about his new best-selling book, Reinforce Your Gym, a book for gym owners of developing marketing, sales, and leadership in their business. So it was a blast of a conversation talking about his days as a pro wrestler, early days in personal training, the struggles and mistakes of trying to scale too fast, and leaving every interaction with a great story. All right, so with that, we'll get right to it. If you like this episode, you want to show the podcast a little love, then please rate and review it wherever you're listening to it. And don't forget to subscribe and catch all new episodes that are dropped every single week. All right, thanks so much, guys. Now let's get on with the show. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the show. Dustin, what's up, man? How are you? Hi, I'm doing great, man. Excited to be here and uh, love connecting with you and, and what you got going on in your world, man, as always. Love talking to a brother from another mother in the fitness industry. So love connecting with you, dude. That's it, man. It's great to see you again. I got a chance to be on your show not too long ago. Um, had an absolute blast uh, diving into a lot of work that I do. So it's really fun. It's always fun to turn the tables on it. I'm really curious about you, your 20 year vet in this business, um, have a brand new book out. Congratulations, everybody Thank to reinforce you. your gym. It's right behind Dustin, as you'll see there, it's an Amazon bestseller. So we're going to dive into that. Um, but you know, we're just going to get into a little bit of the origins as well, you know, to kind of get started. So I got to ask you about wrestling. Okay. Cause I'm a, cause I'm a huge fan and uh, I know you've got a 10 year backstory of being in professional wrestling. I believe before you got into the gym world, how'd you get into, into that, you know, field? Did you know somebody in there or how'd that yeah, come about? Funny story, man. Um, the same person that introduced me to fitness introduced me to becoming a professional wrestler. Cause like you, I was a fan and I watched it and, you know, kind of where my whole entry into fitness started was in high school. I was an overweight teenager. So a lot of people, mm -hmm. that's their prime. They want to go back to it. I do not. I was overweight, unhappy and no confidence. And I was really like a hardcore gamer. So I had this magazine called Nintendo power and I would stand in the corner facing away from people because I was so antisocial and I would read that magazine and eat the lunch that my mom packed for me. Mm. And I was tipping the scales at 260 pounds. Now I'm a taller guy. I'm six, two. So I wear it pretty well, but you find old photos of me and like, you could tell I was a Husky kid. Wow. Okay. What they used to call like Husky jeans, right? Um, I don't know if those exist anymore. Yes. I remember. <laughs> so, I wore those for quite a bit at 13 and 14. I've, I've been in those, I've okay. been in those shoes. So. But yeah, so a friend just one day came up to me and he was like, hey, man, I'm going to go to the gym today after school. Um, do you want to come with me? And it was just like, no pressure. Just like, hey, do you want to check it out? And so I was like, hey, you know, let's give it a shot. So I go in and we do a standard meathead workout. So we're doing chest and biceps, baby. Like we're just going to boom, let's go get those pumps going. And that was actually what I needed because I got so like bitten by the iron bug from that pump. Like I felt so like on a high, the endorphins, I was like, oh my God, what have I been missing out on? And it was at that moment that I committed to transform my body. I went with him Monday through Fridays, five days a week to the gym. I changed my diet. I lost 60 pounds of body fat. And I got down to a lean 200 with visible abs. And after doing that over six months, I said, I'm going to become a trainer. This was the best gift I gave myself. I want to give this to other people now. Wow. So that was like that entry level way into getting into fitness. Um, but to bring up the wrestling, that same friend, you know, this guy has had a lot of impact on me. That same friend invited me to the gym, said, hey, by the way, I also do backyard wrestling. And one day I want to be a pro wrestler and work for Vince McMahon. I said, what? Like, it's crazy enough. He already invited me to the gym. What are you doing? His dad, you know, th this is a friend of mine named Matt. His dad was a contractor. He built them a ring. And most backyard wrestlers, if you remember watching the news, they were throwing each other through drywall and yeah. random stuff. It was on mm -hmm. the news, you know. And so he built them a legit 16 by 16 foot ring with like lumber and pads and poles because he said to himself, this is kind of like we were in a little bit of a lower income area. There's a lot of gangs. And so mm -hmm. he said, instead of my kids possibly joining a gang, getting into trouble, I'm, I'd am i rather that they're here in the backyard. Where I right. All their friends could come over. They can wrestle till they're, till they're blue in the face. But I will build that for them so they stay here under our watch. And so he invited me and said, hey, do you want to come watch a show? 
And eventually I raised my hand and said, how do I join the show? I want to become a wrestler and become part of the show. So that's where it all got started, man. <laughs> that's crazy. It is. Well, I mean, you kind of, you see some passion there and they, you know, as that dad, he's like, all right, let's reignite this passion and give them the tools. You just do. I remember those old, like before YouTube was really a thing early on, you'd once in a while catch these like backyard wrestling things. You're like, what the heck are they doing? They're you know, thing, uh, rings were made out of anything. You're jumping off roofs onto, yeah. onto oh, trampolines yeah. and then flying all over. It was like the first blooper type reel. So, oh, that's so cool that he actually built you guys something you can actually utilize and work on. Did you catch kind of the same bug that you did with the iron when you saw wrestling was like, Ooh, like I need to, I need to jump into this and see what's up. Yeah, absolutely. It, it awoke inside of me a performer that I did not know existed. And one of the things that every wrestler has to do, they got to come up with their their character, their persona. And I actually brought that over into fitness when I really went all in on it. But the first question is, what's my character going to be? What's his entrance music? What's he going to wear? What's his whole character? So, you know, like Stone Cold Steve Austin's the Texan that like drinks beer, flips off middle fingers and like, yeah. you know, he, he that's him. The Undertaker's this undead guy who comes from a graveyard. The lights go out on his entry. So uh, my choice was like, hey, I was always this nice guy. If I have the choice to go the polar opposite, I made this character named Diablo. And so for you guys that don't know. Oh, wow. Guy, okay. So <laughs> I put flames on my on my outfit and I came out to like heavy metal. I grew my hair out long. So I look all like gothic. And it was just this cool output that like during the day at school, I'm this nice guy. But then when I go to rest, I could be this bad guy I can hit soda out of people's hands and I could turn on this performer. And I didn't know that existed till they gave me that invitation to get in the ring. And so that's essentially like the character I came up with and that performer that I let loose uh, after that. <laughs> wow. Was that the was that your first avatar Diablo or did yeah. you go with a few before that? So then, you know, you can't be a wrestler and, and get a backyarder and get booked on pro shows. So you got to eventually go to pro wrestling school. Mm -hmm. We did that. And then we got on the main, they called the indie circuit. And so we're doing the indie circuit, local shows in LA and, and et cetera. And I ran that character for a good while, probably a good five years. And at that point, my two friends had decided to become a tag team, their brothers. And so um, they actually got their, their, their toys back here. Cause oh, no way. That's awesome. Day. So that's the Young Bucks. If you watch AEW to any of the listeners, mm -hmm. they're my childhood friends. Matt Jackson of the Young Bucks is the guy that invited me to the gym. And invited wow. Me to the so um, eventually we just decided, hey, let's let's kind of follow their lead. Let's become a tag team. But at that point, me and my brother had both become certified trainers. And we said, now let's create tag team personal trainers. And so to cheat, we're going to throw protein powder in our opponent's eyes and I'm going to put a resistance band around their neck and I'm going to do it. <laughs> my brother's going to distract the rest. So we brought all of our fitness influence. In, yeah. And we were these personal trainers that are, you know, in the ring now. So that was what I did at the second part of my career. Um, and that was a lot of fun. <laughs> That's so cool. Oh, I would have been a huge fan of seeing that. That's freaking so awesome. It is like where you all of a sudden you get into this kind of avatar and then some of this creativity comes out. It's actually, it's a really good kind of tool for development and business of kind of stepping into that avatar. Like who is this person? And now I can be someone different. And it's like, it seems like that was just a trait that you learned like really early on. 100%. Yep. That's so cool. Oh, you know, it's funny. I... <laughs> I remember I went to see like uh, it was WWF at that time when I was a freshman in high school. So this is like 99. And it, like I saw Stone Cold like drive the the Miller Lite truck up there, like blast oh, the man. rock. Like that was when <laughs> rock was the heel. And like I'm looking around. I was always fascinated by like the logistics of putting things on, like how like programs and how companies put these big, huge spectacles on. And I'm looking around and like everything all of a sudden you hear the crash and like everybody starts coming in everybody gets up on their feet and it's such a huge just uh experience that you had and then fast forward a few years later i was working at a restaurant and some of the guys were in area doing another show and they came into the restaurant and they were so calm and they were so like kind of like mellow and i was like oh like they're putting on a persona this is a performance base mm -hmm. and i was still kind of young enough that i didn't know like that back and forth so it is it's such an interesting uh feel to kind of start in from there so when you did that for a while what transitioned you out from wrestling and wanting to go more into full-on personal training and getting more into the gym world so it's actually a story in the book and it's essentially 
um, a time where I just was having reflection because I did I did put myself a time limit. I, I got into it when I was like 18 and I said 10 years. If I don't have a big contract on the table, if I'm not seeing good money by 28, I'm walking away. And I just had that number in my head because I also knew the industry and it is a young man's game. There is not a lot of late 30s or 40 year old guys getting into pro wrestling and starting their career. So if you don't really get like a a lot of momentum in your 20s and early 30s, it's going to be a very, very difficult battle. Not saying it's not possible, but it is a young man's industry. So I knew 28 is my deadline. I'm going to put on myself. Um, Near the end of my career, I got booked for a a a tour in Mexico and the guy offered me good money, $2,000 for a two week tour. And we were going to do five or six total matches. And I was going to wrestle Rey Mysterio's uncle, Rey Mysterio senior every night in the main event. And I'm just a natural heel bad guy in Mexico because I'm a white guy and I'm going to walk out with an American flag and I'm going to scream Mexico sucks. And they're going to hate me. (laughs) Actually had people throw batteries at my head. I got a cup of piss thrown on me. And oh my god it's just yeah it's wild that's what wrestling is that's a commitment commitment to the game right there <laughs> so we do our first couple shows and everything's good the crowd's wild but i noticed the crowd's a little white i was expecting a few thousand we had like six or eight hundred and so you know that's kind of like business in, in wrestling is the promoter has to take these really high profile wrestlers he's got to market it he's got to get flyers and right. he's got to run ads he's got to tell people nobody knows about a show unless you market it and so this is pre-social media. So imagine how difficult it is there. It's almost all print and flyering. And so, you know, the crowd's a little light. By the third show, Rey Mysterio Sr. flags me over and he says, the wrestlers are refusing to perform. The promoter admitted to us he's out of money. He didn't sell enough tickets and he doesn't got enough money to pay us. And so we're walking out on him. And I said, I'm with you guys. Whatever you guys are doing, I'm with you because I'm right. here in Mexico. By the way, Michael, I checked every box you need to check to disappear and die in Mexico. I went with $200. I went with a cell phone that did not work internationally. I lied to my mom. I didn't tell her I was going to Mexico because I knew she'd freak out. So oh I told her God. I was just doing a wrestling tour. And um, and I had spent all the money. And now I find out the promoter. And I had no return ticket. It was one-way ticket. So it's oh like, my gosh. these are all the boxes you check to go die in Mexico. Really? Like, yeah. This is the start of a movie. Yeah. Yeah. And so um, then we get to the, to the bus and immediately... The doors bust open to the stadium. All these angry fans come running out. They point at our bus. They run over and they start shaking this thing. They're like, come out, come out. We pay money. Um, You need to come out and perform. The bus driver kicks on the engine. He speeds away. And we stop in this little town not far away. And we kind of just like hunker down. We eat street tacos. We talk about how we going to get home. What are we going to do? And so luckily a a referee said, hey, I see you're scared. I see you got no money. I will forward you the money to go and fly home and I will drive you to the airport in the morning because all these guys are you know they're natives they're here from Mexico they got family they'll find a way home I could see you're like feeling like a fish out of water yeah so I asked him desperately give me your address I'm going to send you the money he refused he drove me to the airport he bought me a ticket and I flew home and so the reason I, I share this story is because on that fly home I reflected on the power of money and how it's very emotionally charging um, that wrestling promoter went to jail because he didn't know how to market. He didn't know how to manage money. Right. Uh, the wrestling fans wanted to kill us because they, we we took their money and rightfully so. Um, and I was stuck in a, in a, another country helpless because I didn't have any money. Mm-hmm. So I just I tied all these events and the emotions that were happening um, in those events. And I just saw that the underlying common denominator was money. So on the flight home, I said to myself, I'm starting a business. And I'm going to figure this money problem out where I never felt like I just felt I'm going to go home and I'm dedicated to myself to the art of attracting money and putting value out in the marketplace and delivering mm-hmm. service. And that's when I really went all in on my personal training business. And, and that's where things really start to get exciting uh, with, you know, just personal success. Wow. Wow. That's, that's a hell of a story. I mean, talk yeah. about like the stars are aligning of like, this is the message of maybe you need to switch some things up around this time. It is, it's, it's tough. Like when you're in a position like that, right. And you are your livelihood and what you do, and you guys are putting your, I mean, you're putting your bodies, you're putting your lives on the line, not just from the angry fans, but you know, jumping, like doing all this stuff. I mean, that's the thing about wrestling. It is such a demanding sport. I'm yeah. sure in your body, I'm sure you got a million stories like that, but you're also like at the helm of someone supposed to be doing their job to sell, <laughs> to sell tickets. So it's kind of like you have no control over 
what your livelihood is like. So yeah, that seems like, I mean, it's such a light bulb moment of like, okay, I need to, you know, figure this out. And you talked about the relationship with money that it's such an interesting thing, especially in the personal training world. Cause I've seen it on both ends. What was, what was your relationship with money? Like at that point, like, was it just, you're like, this is just for my bills. And like, it's not like, like, did you not really view it the same way as maybe you view it right now? A hundred percent. I would say this is the best work you can do in your self-development is really evaluate your thought process and beliefs around money. Because my household was like many households filled with negative phrases about money. Money doesn't grow on trees. Um, there's not enough money to go around. What do you think of? I'm made of money. And you know, Scarcity, all these little yeah. one-liners that we hear, well, that over time is literally like propaganda making its way into your subconscious. And now you become this adult who believes this to be true. And so essentially, you, you can really do some great work for yourself if you go back and ask yourself, what are my money beliefs? Are they negative? Are they positive? Um, so a common theme my mom would say, and again, I love my mom to death, but there was a lot of money mindset stuff I carried on from my childhood that did not serve me and I had to release. She would hear what like actors would get paid for a movie. And she would say things like, that's disgusting. Nobody should make that kind of money. This right. is, this is, you know, terrible. And she saw it as a negative where I was like, good for them. They, they found a way to make, you know, an obscene amount of money. Right. And I, I always knew like me and her just don't see money the same. And, and then a, another example I would give <laughs> when it comes to money is like, are you hating on rich people? Because you can't attract into your life what you hate. And so when people say, oh, I bet they made money because they lie, they cheated, they steal. Oh, they only made money because they did this. And they just basically negate all the things they did to earn money. I would say, stop, ask yourself, what did they do? What can I learn? They obviously found a successful path to get there. So if, you know, maybe I disagree with some of the ways or something, I can apply what I do agree with, but people are very black and white with successful people. Mm -hmm. They say people want you to be successful till you become successful. Then they start saying like, oh no, no, no. I just, I didn't want you to get it before me. Like, exactly. hold, hold up. like let me get ahead of you here. So yeah. um, it, it was a really good thing for me to do and do some deep dive into that. Mindset. Yeah, <laughs> it is. It's a mindset that transcends across a lot of different things. It's that scarcity mindset where if you made a dollar, it means you took it away from somebody else from there. It's yeah. like, no, it's where you know money and there's an abundance of it. I remember same type of thing when Alex Rodriguez signed a deal with the Texas Rangers and it was like a 200 plus million dollar deal. And it was the first like over... $200 million contract for, and I remember a conversation with someone like, no one deserves that type of money for playing a game. And I kind of thought the same. It's like, well, guy's the best in his industry of what he does. Like maybe, you know, maybe he does. And then, you know, you don't see a lot of the back end things of what people do do with money, the philanthropic things and what you can do as a resource. You can make as much as you want. Doesn't mean you have to hoard it all. And like, everybody's just holding on to every dime, like Scrooge McDuck, you know, it's like, yeah, you can, you know, put it out to, you know, other people, you can, you know, bring it out, you can help build other people up. And there's some great, you know, resources and they're great examples of doing things like that. And something people don't like realize with that is yes, he's getting paid that, but how many ancillary incomes are being boosted from that? Like now they need to hire more people at the stadium to sell the food because the stadiums are full. And now the sponsors like Subway and Taco Bell are getting way strong ROI on their ads when they run them for the Texas Ranger games. And, you know, now the, the team that works for that, that, you know, baseball team are going to, you know, get paid more because their, their business is bringing in more and they're making it more profitable. So it's like, mm -hmm. yes, he, he deserves that because his audience is commanding that level of value in return, you know, and I'm sure they have an ROI they're seeing based on what they're paying him. And just think about that. Like we focus very much on the public facing person and what they're getting paid, but how many other mouths are getting fed because of that? Exactly. Of that, right. So, yeah. And how much, and how much energy out for, I mean, and this is just one example, but how many, you know, young kids or other people who aspire to be something like that and saw an inspiration and to push them into that. There's things that you can't quantify from people just doing their absolute best and, and giving their all. And I, I had that for a long time too. And, you know, I had these different backstories, you know, behind it as well, because it wasn't something we talked about very freely you know, growing up, we just, I mean, I grew up in a nice home, suburban, you know, father did a really successful business, but it was always just kind of, yeah, everything's okay. We didn't really talk about it. It wasn't here. It wasn't there. 
And I had to do a lot of work personally myself the same way of like, mm. yeah, you can you can earn more actually when you charge more, when you actually deliver, then it's actually engaging me more in my process. It's making me challenge myself to be even better. And I can actually be a better coach. I can be a better business leader. I can be a better manager when I'm you know, pushing that envelope and making more than maybe what I thought I necessarily deserved. Absolutely. Yeah. I love it, man. <laughs> yeah. So when you got into person, so how did you get into personal training there? Cause I know then you own, then you own gyms, then you, you know, built your own business there and, you know, built that up to a seven figure bigness, did that only in a few years, which is amazing, you know, to do. How was this kind of road there? What did you work as a personal trainer for a bit and then transition out, start going into leadership? How did that work? Yeah. Uh, great question. So I started training people in their homes. I started a side business training people in my garage and, um, you know, just basically hustled my face off. And one of the, the lessons I teach in the book is like revisiting your hustle muscle because everyone's kind of gotten lazy on getting leads spoon fed to them from social media and, you know, just digital marketing. Not enough people are going out and doing the belly to belly guerrilla marketing and like yeah. talking to people. I built that business off of Craigslist. Like I just literally posted every night on Craigslist and just got new leads, new sale calls booked for the next day. And so I did that. I put flyers all around town. Um, I'm, I joined Chamber of Commerce. I really just focused on getting people uh, a great feeling. You know, a lot of trainers would focus on the workouts, but I was very focused on how do people feel? Because if I make them addicted to the feeling, they'll never leave. And then mm. they'll think to themselves, oh, there's going to be this feeling deficit. Um, most of the brands that exist, somebody feels a certain way when they buy that brand. You know, there's like this sense of dopamine rush when you open up an Apple product or you buy something from Disney or, you know, whatever your favorite brand is, they make you feel good that you're doing business with them. So I didn't focus so much on the workouts because in the wrestling lesson I learned is everybody remembers the beginning and the end. The Almost everybody forgets the whole match. Right. The entrance music, it's got to be big and fireworks. And then what was like the final few minutes and who pinned who? And, you know, like, that's what most people remember. Mm. So like, all right, how do I take this to a workout? The greeting. I'm, I'm, I'm really jazzed up. Hey, how's it going, Sarah? Welcome in. I'm so excited you're here. We're going to get you feeling good. We're going to get a workout. And I'm just pepping her up. That's like that. I call it shock your senses. I want to hit your, your sight, your sound, your touch. I'm like, I'm going to run over and hug you. I'm going to be loud. Um, I'm going to, you know, do all these things to engage all your senses and that way, you know, I'm commanding your attention, my voice. So you look at me, I'm getting all your senses engaged. That was always like how I started. And then the end, I always told a story. And a lot of trainers, they miss out on this huge opportunity. Um, Tony Robbins says one of the secrets to how he gets so many people to retain his information is he gets people very physically active at his events. If you've ever been to one, mm -hmm. you know, there's a lot of breaks of jumping up and down. Everybody air guitar. And we're going to water hose the crowd and we're going to do a lot of physical activity. As he said, when the blow, blood's flowing in your brain, it's more receptive to information being put in it. Right. Well, hey, coaches, trainers, you just got someone to work out. They are receptive to your information. It's a great time to teach. And so I would tell stories, whether it was a story I read in a book, a story from my life, a story about another client. And people would literally say, Dustin, I hear you echoing in my mind throughout the day. And so I was staying in their head all throughout the day and they were remembering it. And they were even tagging me on social media. They were telling their friends, oh, my coach told this awesome story. You got to come join. They didn't even talk about the workouts. They said he tells the best stories. And so these were the things that I did to make myself unique because I wanted to, to bring something different to the table than what all the other Me Too gyms are, which is we got the best workouts. We have the most state-of-the-art equipment. We have the cleanest facility. We have the most certified trainers. That's what they call the red ocean, right? You want to be in the blue ocean. Where is there nobody existing that nobody can price shop you because you are your, your own unique product? And so that's kind right. of what allowed me, I, th I believe, to go to that, that seven figures in three years is that we went to gym one, gym two, gym three. I opened six gyms in six years. Mm -hmm. It was because of this big, um, you know, like word of mouth going around in the Southern California area where we were yeah. at. That's awesome. That's, that's really interesting because I've, I know a lot about like setting the tone, right? It's like, get that energy up, but closing it out with a story. I really love that. And it's funny. Like if, if somebody says like, let me tell you a story, like you just perk up right away. Yeah. Right. It's all, it's like, oh, cool. Like I love stories. And I just came from a summit like that, where some were very energetic. Others were very more kind of like sit in a chair, kind of like Wayne Dyer and bring you in. You're almost leaning into like, listen to every word, but every one of them was like, let me tell you a story. 
And when you hear that, that's awesome. I love, and it is to, to close it out. It's like to, to finish it off, not just to finish your workout, but hear it with a story, something that they can resonate with. Cause that was one of always the challenging things when I worked in person that it talked about a lot with the team of like that retention, like leave them thinking about what they're going to do after it. When they're in front of you, they're doing great. But once they walk through the doors and they get into their car and then they're bamboozled with, you know, fast food and just negative mindsets and all these other things that are trying to prevent them from doing it. It's like you only they're only in front of you for 30 minutes or an hour. They got another 23 hours of all that other stuff. You better plant those seeds and get that in because otherwise they're relying on motivation, which is inevitably going to fade. One of my favorite stories to talk about is belief and how Roger Bannister um, was being told he's going to die if he tries to run a four minute mile that the science literally said the human body cannot run a four minute mile if you attempted it you would die your heart would stop and and then when he did it within that year 12 more people ran a four minute mile and so it just took someone to be the trailblazer and break a record and a belief so what i tell my clients you know if i was like coaching him or wrapping up you know i would start with that and i'd say what are your beliefs that are holding you back what is your version of four minute mile is it my culture loves carbs is it i'm 40 and my you know i've gone through menopause is it i've had kids it's too late for me it's i'm too old there's a belief holding you back i could guarantee there's another person in the world that does not share that belief and they've transformed their body the one thing holding you back is belief it's not Mm -hmm. my macro plan it's not my workouts you don't believe you can get results so therefore it's a self-fulfilling prophecy and you don't get them and so these are the things that I often went into as mindset because the workouts I delivered, the nutrition I prescribed, the mindset coaching, like you said, I had no time plan with them. They were coming in, working out and leaving. So I had to build it into my system that like at the end of every workout while we're stretching, I'm going to do a, a mindset teaching lesson. And now it's like a show. Again, this is like wrestling lessons. I was like, now I don't have a session. I have a show and people won't want right. to miss the show. I didn't have you know missing clients that weren't attending because they couldn't wait to hear the story that did. It's like before Netflix had binge watching, they were binge taking sessions, right? Like they, wa- they didn't want to miss one Monday through Friday because right. it was like episodic, one built off the other. So that that's just an example. I'm just telling people, pull them from your books, pull them, pull them from your stories uh, on social media. Tell your story, tell a client's story, pull them from everywhere and start a document. At one point, I wish I saved this. I had 50 stories that I would just kind of like cycle through throughout yeah. the year. So just start collecting them and start telling them. Yeah. I love that when you said that about Roger Bannister and then just asking that question, like, what's your four minute mile? Like, that's such a beautiful way to leave it on there because everybody can resonate and maybe they've heard that story before. And now you can take that story. Oh, yeah. What do I look at? Like, what do I see that maybe culture is saying is appropriate or good, but I kind of know is is a little bit off. Maybe you're going against the grain, you know, from there. And, you know, I was thinking about it with wrestling, like. The Rock would always, it's finished. Like, that's the bottom line or that's Stone yeah. Cold. That's the bottom line. Like they finish with their tagline and that's what you remember. And that's when the the applause all comes out. So yeah, like it's, you know, kick it off with a bang and then leave them with the story. Going on that, I'd love to ask you, Dustin, like if, if you use that example with your own success, was there things that, that you learned down the line that maybe weren't as popular or kind of not as, um, you know, nuanced. And you're like, no, this is something I think I need to steer into more to really develop my success and build up that maybe wasn't the norm that you heard from maybe mentors or other people that were telling you to go a certain way. hundred percent. Um, there's, there's actually two that come to mind. The first is I just showed up to the gym and I was just me. And later on in business, I learned that the things that we did were things like culture and standards and core values and a mission statement. Dustin just showed up to the gym and brought the thunder. And I didn't, I, I, I didn't take the time to translate what I did that made it so successful to, to turn into a teachable system or program to new coaches. I just said, Hey, just kind of do what I do. And I would, I would jump right to the coaching system. I would say, welcome. You're on the team. This is how we coach a session completely missed the start and the finish. I just thought that was something unique. And so I have clients work with a new coach and here I am trying to zoom out and be more of a business owner and business Mm -hmm. operator. And they're like, it's not the same Things feel different. Like, I don't know if I'm going to continue. And I'm like, what, you know, like this person's fire. And I quickly realized I need to capture this culture and these standards and and make those just as uh, important as like a, how to coach a squat and how to coach a shoulder Mm -hmm. press. 
I need to say, this is how we start a session systematically. This is how we end a session systematically. This is our culture. This is our standards. This is the way we do things. And I didn't do that at first. So that was like a big learning lesson is like, how are you, you know, what, what makes you so special, Mr. or Mrs. Gym owner? Like document that, make that something that everybody has to do, uh, especially if you get remarked on it and it makes you unique. Um, so that was like a big learning lesson is not knowing again, it was just because I lacked awareness about business. What is leadership? What is culture? What is, you know, uh, standards? And now, you know, we've developed those and now everybody on the team kind of do, does things the way we did them. Mm. Um, but that was like a, a big one, um, I would say for sure. Yeah. How challenging was that to kind of go from now you're doing it one-on-one, you're working with people to now trying to transfer this system to other people and I guess, let go a little bit from that. That seems like it's always a challenging thing for people thinking that, well, I do it this way and I'm the only one that can do it this way. And it's hard when you build a staff up sometimes or have other people and step away and not have that feeling of micromanaging or hovering over and letting those people like just be themselves, like kind of take your systems, but be authentically their own in the same way. Was that a challenge for you to transition to that or did it seem like it it went pretty you know fluently yeah so that that what you're bringing up is me going through leadership school mm-hmm. and and i did not know that this was a school i needed to attend until i was failing it miserably and so where this showed up michael's when i opened aggressively six gyms in six years to mm-hmm. be honest i shouldn't have done that it was the wrong decision my mindset was coaches equipment onto the next city coaches equipment onto the scale, next city. scale scale yeah and it was like there was no leaders there was no one holding the line on all these little extra special touches and so it actually came crumbling down i had to close a gym 12 months after opening it and uh we had to sell another and so essentially it was just like i went too big too fast and i didn't systemize and get ready to scale the culture. And so I would go to the next town and I would just hire cold off indeed. Hey, you're a coach. Come on in. What I should have done it. You know, if anybody runs more of a storefront business is and, and online business, they need to spend time in the original OG place where the magic is and learn how things are there so they can duplicate it. at number two, they just showed up to a cold building with cold new members and did not know how to do things based on how we did location one. So that was my failure even with our online business, gym reinforcements, where we do sales for gym owners, when we hire a new sales rep, they're attached at the hip for weeks with one of our best sales reps because we want them to literally osmosis over their best skills because people tend to learn by just spending time with somebody. And so these these are the mm. things that I had to learn. Those were like the failures that I experienced in leadership school that I had to, you know, improve to, to grow as a leader. Right. How quickly from opening the first one to the sixth one, like, did you, was the first one around for a while and then you tried to jump on the other five or how'd that work? Uh, we opened one a year from 2011 to 2017. So okay. six, six years, which is pretty nuts. And it's weird. It was always like around fall around like September, October, I started getting the itch mm-hmm. and I'm bumping the wife. I'm like, we gotta go start looking at leases. We need to get another gym. I got goals to hit. But also one thing I'll just reveal and be open with I did not make more money when I opened more gyms. They actually all leveled out. So like location one was crushing it. Then it dropped a little and location two was doing good. Then I got three and they're all doing like, you know, kind of average numbers. And then I go to four and everybody's like breaking even. I was just like, holy crap, what have I done? And it's because I, my leadership and culture was being distilled down. Like I was no longer being present in the gyms. The standards were not being met. And so I got my leadership you know, skills got watered down, or I should say my leadership message, my vision that I cast got watered down because I'm spread thin over too many people. And so I had to like consolidate and reduce the amount of gyms. And then they all turned around and I'm more present. I had a a more, you know, like a a team that I felt like I could, you know, manage well, like I wasn't overstretched. And so that, that was a big leadership lesson for me, for sure. Yeah, no, a good friend of mine did the same thing with studios opened up, uh, I think like, like four studios within like a seven month period, and then had to close two of them down. And it just, because, I mean, you do, you just, you know, it's such a, it's such a topic of saying you need to scale, you need to grow, you know, and oftentimes I think, especially in fitness too, it's like, we don't spend as much of like, what is the culture and the foundation and really solidifying that product down until you have it. You know, I, someone told me the analogy of like the tree, like the more the tree grows, well, if it keeps growing up and you get more branches, the roots need to go deeper down. They need Mm. to, you know, so as you grow, the foundation needs to be stronger. Otherwise 
you're going to get to a point and it's just going to topple over from there. Yeah. Yeah. So when you, so you close that down. So was that kind of like, all right, like bring it back to like, let's bring it back to the roots. Let's re-solidify. Let's look at the culture again and really get this down. Yeah. And, and so, yeah, I absolutely went to my top three um, gyms and just kind of stayed there. And those are the three that we still run to this day. They're in my best markets. Again, I just went into a city because it had high income and I thought we'll crush it with training. Um, and just like a house location, 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 you could go in a nice city, but a crappy area of that town. Mm. And I unfortunately made that choice with one gym because it was, you know, a good price on rent. Um, but eventually I got to a place, um, you know, post COVID where I was like, I want to, I only have so much capital and I, and I will only be able to open so many gyms in my lifetime. I need to expand my reach into the industry. And so that's where we launched gym reinforcements three years ago. And so essentially what it is, is we get into the gym CRMs and we do all their follow-up, their texts, their calls, their emails, Mm. their social media, and we move them into whatever trial program they have could be a month or six week challenge, whatever. And I just figured, you know, like if I'm really wanting to fight this war against obesity, I'm sure you know this stat, Michael, but like the United States is on track to be obese by 2030, uh, 50% obese by the year 2030. And the global population will be obese by the year, or sorry, 50% obese by the year 2035. So we're leading the way in the United States in not a good way, which is obesity. And so um, if I really want to help, you know, our country turn the tide on this war against obesity, I need to get involved in more gyms and not just stay in my little bubble, my community. So that's what, why we're really, you know, convicted on selling fitness for other gym owners, because mm-hmm. we, we need to do something about this fast. Otherwise, I don't think we're going to be the leading country if we're the most unhealthy company or mm-hmm. country uh, in the world. Um, yeah. So yeah, that, that's that. With gym reinforcements and working with people who are trying to establish their business and build it up, what are, are there similar struggles that you see kind of mainlined around everybody that everyone seems like they're struggling with, like right off the bat? Is it retention? Is it more lead development? Like what are the main things that you're seeing with people? Yeah, it's, I say the gym has two doors. You got the front door and the back door. The front door is marketing. You got the door open. You're telling everybody to come in, check it out. But if no one's got the back door, which is retention, they're walking out right after they walk to the front door. So we need to lock the back door and we need to get double front doors open and get lots of people coming in. And so essentially, yes, retention is a huge one. The second is follow-up. I don't believe most gyms have a lead flow problem. I think they have a follow-up problem. Mm-hmm. Because if you're getting you know, a steady 10 to 15 leads a week, you can build a business off of that. If these are you know people that have raised their hand and said, I'm interested in what you offer, just reach out to me, but I'm busy. And our phones are just going nuts with notifications, text, social media, emails, you know, everything. And so you just have to be the noisiest gym. And I say the, the squeaky wheel gets the oil, right? So like the fortune is in the follow-up. Yes. And if the gym owners want to make more, then you need to put more energy in the follow. We reach out to somebody when they newly opt in twice a day for the first five days, an AM and a PM reach out for five days. And that's a system we call the five by two. Because we know there's a lot of noise in this person's world. We need to be the noisiest. We need to get their attention. I've never had a complaint. I never had someone say, you're spamming me. You're bothering me. Leave me alone. If anything, people have thanked us. They said, I'm busy. You called me at a wrong time. I was you know, doing some of my kids. Thank you for following up with me. I really was interested. So I would say that's a, a four minute mile of gym owners is like, I don't want to bother them. I did text them once. Once? Like you're going to build your whole business off of one reach out. You need to do aggressive, aggressive follow up. And I've just seen how this can change a gym owner's business when they put more energy and resources into that. Yeah, it is. It's weird. I mean, even on the online front, like people think like you're going to put out one post and people are going to magically just oh, thank you for throwing this post out here. Please sign me up for your program. It's like, it's just, it's not how it works. It's funny. I mean, I've, I resonate so much with the follow-up because the people I work with on an individual basis, like we're going deep into mindset work and stuff. So like, I'm not the first step in this road. They've really been a lot. So most of my follow-up is sometimes six months to a year. People have been looking at my stuff, then we're getting on and, you know, we're getting into it from there. So it is, it's like, it's, it, I'm, I'm glad you said that. Cause I think people like we, oh, there's not enough leads. Like everybody's looking in some way to better their health and to get healthier in there. And if they show interest in it, yeah. Follow up with them, like get the, you know, chase the no, like chase, chase yeah. the no down and get that and then work on it again. Because once you get, that's where it's, I, I think with people, it's, 
they're always so like, you need to sell people. No, you just need to get somebody going in some momentum, you know? And like, if you get momentum, you get them into the system, then work the system. Then if there's an issue with the back door, then you've got a retention problem, which I do think, you know, a lot of people, you need to spend more time on what your program is and deliver great results on it. But if you got that down, then, okay, boom, like push on your, you know, push on your leads, push on your follow-up. And and I think, I'm, I've been in the business long enough to literally watch the evolution back when I ran ads for the first time in 2011, 2012, and I was getting leads for three bucks. You just push people to a checkout page and they bought on their own sight unseen, no talking to anybody on the team. I would just get Stripe receipts all day long. And I'm like, great. I just need to call these people and book them for their first session. Those days are gone. And I know that there's two types of sales we see. We see the microwave sale, 30 seconds, 60 seconds, they're ready to go. They know, usually they're a referral. The friend has done the selling for you or they've been watching you for a while, six or 12 months. And they're just like, call, take my credit card. I'm ready to go. They're the microwave sale. Mm -hmm. Most of your sales are the boiling water. You got to be patient. You're going to put it on a one. It's going to be a slow fire. But what are we doing during this boiling? It's trust building. And so I say in the book, one of my favorite phrases is trust equals transactions. And so if someone does not trust you, they will not buy from you. And if they've been burned, which many people have said in our gyms, and I'm sure other gym owners can resonate, I went to this gym and they double drafted me. I went to this gym. They said they're going to help me with nutrition. They never did. I went to this gym. The the coach was a jerk. And so if I've been through four or five purchases and they've all burned me, you got to understand my guard is up with you. You've done nothing wrong. Your industry has burned me. And so you have to build trust. And so I, I teach owners to build something I call a trust building campaign. No pitch for seven days. You're literally going back to my old lesson, sharing stories. Hi, meet the owner. This is why he opened the gym. Hi, meet his team. This is why they choose to be on this team. And this is why they're bought in on the mission. Hi, meet the client. This is the result she's seen. Hi, meet another client. No pitch at the end. No click this button. Just telling them who you are and what you stand for. And then at the end of that, you can go into, you know, doing follow-up. But I just say, you got to do more work these days to make a sale, which I know sounds exhausting and defeating, but it's just the game. And if you really are convicted and passionate about helping people with fitness, you you would not be afraid to do this. And that, that's why I get so fired up and I'm so strongly, you know, convicted to get people into the gym because I know I'll change their life because of what it did for me, Michael. Absolutely. No, it's, I love it so much. And you know, it is, it's such a, it's such a timing thing, you know, like it's, if it's the right timing for someone, like they're going to go in, if they don't get in right now, okay, it's time keep following up, keep cheering them on. You know, I, I said this for a while, like, even if you, when I was building my, my book, I was like, even if you're not training with me, I still feel like your coach. Like I'm still going to cheer you on. I'm still going to ask you about what you're doing. And then eventually when it's time where you need that help, you know, you're going to be in. Cause I, I built a, when I first got into this job 15 years ago, like I built it from a front desk. I was just working the front desk, greeting people and just asking, Hey, what are you doing? What's going on? What do you do for work? Just to start knowing people by the time I got on the floor and I got the okay to start building a book. I knew everybody in there. Like they already trust. Oh, cool. Mike's Mike's training now like that. Yeah. Come on in. I'll do an assessment with you and just chat with people. And you started to build it up a little by little. And I think often, especially with, with young coaches, or if you're getting into it, like all the terms of like marketing and sales and like all these jargon terms, it's like just talking to people and just being enthusiastic and excited, you know, by it. And I know you're a 20 year vet. You still got all this passion and this fire, you know, to do this, just to chat about it. It's like, and that's, what, you know, what built success up. So I do want to ask you about your book to, to get into this. So reinforce your gym. It's out now. Um, you said this kind of took a, a piece of your soul to, to get everything rolling. So how did this book come about? Like, first off, like, did you, was this book in your mind for a while that you wanted to write and then kind of got it? Like, how did this whole, you know, book come about? So thank you. Great, great question. And it is basically a collection of my best life's work in three main categories, because I just feel like there's a lot of self-development that's fluff, like, you know, just pep talk and positive and stories, which is fine, but not enough people give me like actionable stuff I can go and deploy in my business. So this is a combination of both. I will say a story and then I will give you an actual practical thing you can go take action on immediately and see change in your business. And those three sections are um, marketing, you know, like essentially that is something that everybody needs more help with. And so how to get an endless flow of marketing. I talk about a lot of those sales, um, multipliers of sales, like little ways that you can double up the amount of sales with very low effort. 
And then the third is leadership, assembling a dream team and building, uh, becoming a better leader. I just felt like if there's three topics that I felt really confident in teaching and lessons that I've learned that literally led to, you know, growing the business, those are the three that I would want to teach. So mm-hmm. that's everything that you, you know, would get in that, in that book for a measly $15, like my life's work, you know, again, you've been in the game a long time, me too. I just took everything I taught and I tried to make it entertaining, actionable, and a very easy read. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that's it. But yes, did it take a piece of my soul? Yes, because I had to go back and ask, what is the best stuff? Because I say a lot, if you guys follow me on social media, I put out a lot of content, mm-hmm. but what is the best stuff? Because you got to kind of be your own self-selector and say, that was okay. That wasn't that good. Like, what are my actual golden nuggets that will make mm-hmm. a major impact? So I put those in there and then it's being your worst critic. Like, could I write it simpler? Could I write it more clear? Um, You know, and just really being your worst critic is where I think the taking a piece of your soul, because I think we all are our worst critic. So Mm -hmm. now I'm really proud of it. I am proud that it became a bestseller on Amazon and it's out there for the world to see. But um, yeah, those are the things that you'd get if you end up buying a, a copy of it. Yeah. How did the, how did the process of writing it work for you? Like, did you have like, this is how it did like those, the three sections, like, was that the breakdown right away? Or did that change as you were writing the book to kind of get it? Cause I would assume like the, once you get a book out, like then the book's out, right? Like you can't add, you can't go back to it where like social media, oh, I can write this story and I can put this out again. It can be this endless flow, but a book's a little bit different. Yes. Uh, it did go through a lot of revisions. In fact, I went back and counted. I did 12 revisions on the book. And so it's one of those things that I, it wasn't a start to finish, but it was like chunks, chapters, sections. And, you know, there was a lot of stuff that I started writing and I didn't have as much as I thought as I would have to say, you know, and so it challenged me to say, this isn't good enough to be a chapter. We need to, you know, shift gears. So yes, there was a lot of that, but the end of the day, um, I think that like anybody that wants to do something, you hire a coach. So I did hire a coach to tell mm. me, how do I do this? Um, you know, how do I make it a bestseller? Because that is a goal. I don't want it to just be another book. I want it to be a bestselling book. Right. Um, how do I get it listed on Amazon? Because I have no idea. I'm just a gym owner. You know, I know about the body and how to get it to lose fat and build muscle. And so I've just learned that is the path to faster success. Do I believe I could have figured it out on my own? Yes. But at this stage of my life, I will pay for speed. And I think a lot of people need to kind of figure out what's more important to them, time or money. And I think, you know, uh, you're giving up one for the other. And so if you want your time back, you're going to have to spend some money. So, you know, if you don't want to do your follow-up, you hire us. You don't want to design your own workouts, you hire a coach. There's a lot, you know, I don't want to change the oil. I'm going to hire a car mechanic. So it's like, these are the things that we can do to get our time back. But if you're willing to sacrifice your time, you'll probably make a little bit more money but at some point you can also get to burnout. Right. And so you have that self kind of awareness to say, what am I in, you know, what am I chasing in this stage of my life? What am I chasing in this department of my life? And, you know, it's okay to embrace that you're willing to spend to get your time back. I think that's a good thing. More people need to talk about. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, 12 revisions right there. It's, I mean, you really kind of have to, you know, look at these things that are so passionate about you and look objectively on them be like, do I need to keep this in? Do I need to not? But I'm I'm so happy you said that about um you know about hiring a coach you know from the, I think it goes back to the money mindset that we were talking about right like it's and we see it so much in the health and fitness business of people like no I'm gonna figure out how to do it on my own well if you just you know if you spend a few hundred bucks and you actually get this down and get a coach to give you the framework on it you're probably gonna save a shitload of time you know yeah. down the line so so from beginning kind of first thought into now you know it's out how long was that time frame to get this book out uh so at first they were targeting 90 days but it took closer to five months yeah. uh, so you know it, it is something you got to lock in for the long haul and it's a good gut check for you because it's probably the same talk you give to your clients well it's time to you know do the same yeah. so yeah it was a it was a long uh, endurance battle, but it is worth it. If this, if this is something that's on your bucket list to do, not everybody wants to do it. You know, how did you, did you have like a certain amount of time a day that you were like, I'm going to write at this point? Or it's like, how was that process for you? It it was about an hour, hour and a half every day. Cause I, I energetically just like, I can create like a sprint of content and then I'm wiped. And so it's usually about an hour and then I'm like, that's it. And so, uh, that's all you're getting out of me today, brain. So, you know, you just chunk away at it. And it's again, same talk you give to the clients. It's another day of getting movement, another day of hitting your protein goal. It's not the one day you do it. It's the compound of you doing it. So again, let that be a, a good lesson. And hey, one way you can work out your ideas, like if you are wanting to do that, is to test them on social media. 
And so that was another thing I did. I went back to my social media. I said, what were the most engaged posts? What are the ones I got the most comments? Is that something I can riff on? Or was that just like, you know, an entertainment post and it's not going to really translate to the book, but working your ideas out, put them out to the world, you know, put them on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, see how people react to them. And that's kind of like, you know, social feedback. Is this something people are interested in? And you can work on the wording. You can see how well they get received. So that's just another, you know, little ninja tip for people. Yeah, that's awesome. It is. It's, you have those sprints of content time in there. So I had to learn that over the last year and a half too, of like, you have those blocks of time where you can put it in. Cause then after that, it's like, no, I'm done for the day. I better go for a walk and get this out. So um, yeah. Dustin, dude, it has been a blast having you on. I really appreciate it. I could talk to you for hours on this stuff. It's just an absolute blast. So appreciate your time today. Thanks for talking to me, man. Thanks. You. Thank you, sir. I appreciate it. And again, if anybody is in our space, go to Amazon. You could grab it there. Again, yes. 15 bucks. Absolutely. Again, yep. Reinforce Your Gym is the book name. Um, you find that on Amazon. And if people want to follow you, get more of your content, what's the best places they can go and check you out? I'm, I'm most active on Facebook and Instagram. And if you are a gym owner and you want to see more tips that I push out, I have a group called Gym Reinforcement. So just search it up and join. We'd love to have you. Um, we do screen it to be just gym owners. So ad agencies, anybody else, you won't be let in because uh, we just want to let the homies in. So yeah. yeah. And I got to, and I got to tell you, like, cause as a solopreneur, as someone who is like, you know, does this build in business from scratch, if you are a gym owner and you're by yourself, go get into a group. This is a yes. great group just to, sometimes it's just bouncing ideas off just to be around other people who are thinking like-minded and just are in the same boat as you. Cause it can be a, str- it can be a struggle. There's high highs and there's, you know, days when you're like, you know, you want to burn it down. <laughs> it's like, you're not alone in that. So I'm glad you have so many, you know, good spots for, for people to, to check in and get this going. So Dustin, thank you so much, brother. Really appreciate it, man. Appreciate it, man. Thank you for having me on the show. Best of luck to all the listeners. Absolutely. Thank you guys. Catch you on the next one. Peace. Thank you so much for joining me today. I hope you found some great value here. And if you like this episode, please drop a comment and leave us a five-star rating and review. It does more to build the show than you can imagine. And do not forget to check out and join the Strength Connection Facebook group. In this group, I share the biggest takeaways and lessons from these amazing conversations, as well as training and strength tips for pursuing mastery and fulfillment in life. This group is filled with individuals looking to take full control over their strength, and it's the perfect space to explore new ideas and to share your journey. And you'll also get exclusive access to the Strength Connection Mastery Seminars. It's a deep dive into the physical, mental, and spiritual training that you can begin using immediately. So do not wait. Go now. Seriously, go. I right, much love to you. Thank you so much, and I'll catch you on the next one.